So you've decided to give up that old behavior that's been killing you and all you care for and surrender to a power greater than yourself. That's the first step. Surrender is what opens the prison door. Now it's time to walk through that door and into a whole new way of life. Spirituality, self-care, service, social connection, and the simple daily disciplines that pave the way to lasting freedom. This is Positive Sobriety. another episode of the Positive Sobriety Podcast. Hey, I'm Nate Larkin, uh, here with my pal and yours, uh, David Hampton, cruising into the fall 2023. We got a great guest uh, coming up. In the meantime, uh, I don't know about you, but my calendar's starting to fill up. I got, and I'm feeling, I'm just grateful. I'm feeling energetic and ready to hit the autumn. How about yes, you? I am. Uh, there's, I think my my year begins in the fall. Actually, it doesn't begin yeah. in January. I think I always sense that maybe I'm always I'm still on my school calendar from grade school yeah. or something in my head. But yeah, I am r- ramping up, and uh, I, I'm uh, seeing kind of an uptick in my client load, which is pretty typical of fall. People getting back from sure. vacation and starting into their uh, new routines and uh, and, and then, uh, you know, coming in with that, but also opportunities to do some other things, um, Mm -hmm. uh, sharing at some classes in, um, uh, later on in the year, uh, met with some really great people yesterday, a psychiatrist and a, uh, Episcopal priest. And we are hosting something at their church, uh, just to help the church understand addiction. Oh, good. Um, and help them understand, um, you know, what is and isn't helpful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, things like that. And, uh, but anyway, I'm excited about it. Yeah. I've got, uh, things, other, uh, connections with some groups going on. And, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm ramping up excited. Oh, that's good. That's you're good. busy. Well, I'm so, yeah. I'm busy. <laughs> uh, hopefully tomorrow I, we will successfully wrap, uh, at least the taping of the new video series of walking lessons. Uh, uh, lots changed in the 10 years since I did the audio version of walking lessons. Oh uh, yeah. So a lot more insight into what actually is going on in addiction yeah. and in recovery, real practical stuff. That's fun doing that. Mm-hmm. Just a couple of weeks. Uh, I'll be, I think uh, September 15 and 16, I'll be out in Portland for the pure desire, uh, summit. One of the main speakers there. I uh, got other stuff coming up at the end of the month and then into October and November. Yeah. It's a good thing. And it's, it's a creative, I'll tell you what, uh, I discovered a book just in this last week that is, you know, sent me into a feverish activity. <laughs> ah. It's called, it's called Thinker Toys. Ah. Uh, uh, yeah. And it's, it's strategies for creative thinking, how to, uh, how do you get new ideas? How do you develop new ideas? Uh, it, it turns out that inspiration doesn't always, you know, we don't have to sit around always waiting for inspiration, right? waiting for lightning to strike. We can go actually go out and cultivate it, look for it. Mm. And uh, I think 
I've allowed myself to become a little bit passive creatively in the last few years. Mm. And, you know, grateful that I've had some, you know, good insights come my way. And it certainly helps to be doing this podcast because we right. get to talk to interesting people and we get stimulating ideas this way. Yeah. But uh, now to take a little bit more initiative mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and to have some some coaching and how to do that, uh, it's, it's it's got me pretty juiced, David. I'm, well, I'm going to have to look at that. It. Yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's yeah. a great uh, that's a great plug because I'll have to take... Uh, take a look at that book. Cause I think a lot, a lot of us kind of have uh, at different times embraced the myth that creativity comes just from inspiration. Uh, you know, that we're, that we're waiting on that aha moment and there will be this perfect time to sit down and write that thing or to make that piece yeah, of art yeah, yeah, or to yeah, do yeah, the yeah, whatever, yeah. you know, um, and Lamott says it's just as basically butt in seat and, you know, uh, start writing. <laughs> And uh, exactly, exactly. And, you know, Nashville songwriters know that they know Mm -hmm. if you're going to write, you just get in a room, you get with, you know, typically with other people and you write. Yeah. If you wait for the perfect song to arrive, the odds are pretty slim that it's going to show up. Yeah. 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 Hey, well, our guest this week is an author. So uh, maybe we can ask, maybe we can ask him a little bit about the creative process and inspiration. Yeah, I think uh, he's going to have some good things to share uh, yeah, about how he yeah. comes to uh, to all of that, really. Okay. To communicate that. And you, we will hear from him when we return on the Positive Sobriety Podcast. And welcome back to the Positive Sobriety Podcast. We are privileged to have with us this week as our guest, Jason Van Ruler. is the author of an upcoming book, Get Past Your Past, How Facing Your Broken Places Leads to True Connection. Uh, he's a multi-state therapist. He's a coach. Uh, I'll let you tell, uh, I'll let him tell you more about himself. Uh, Jason, welcome. Welcome to the, uh, welcome to the show. Well, thanks so much for having me on, guys. This is uh, this is fantastic, and and yeah, that's a that's a great kind of overview of what I do. It's you know all all the things, and so wrote a book, and uh, I'm also a husband and father to three kiddos, so that keeps me busy as well. Mm. All right, awesome. Yeah, awesome. that's a job in itself. <laughs> we're we're in that season, you know, where where everyone's got you know two or three activities, and so that that is a frequent thing, but. I love it. It's I look actually it's interesting. I look forward to this season. Some people are surprised mm-hmm. by that, but I just love seeing the kids kind of start to thrive and do their own things. And so it's been neat. Yeah. Okay. How old are the kids now? Uh, so they're 13, um, 10 and eight. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Great. Yeah. Well, I, I, I um, take it from the from the title of your book, Get Past Your Past, uh, that you have a past. We like our, Nate. What um, makes you think that? What makes you think that? <laughs> like our listeners. What are you talking about? Being a therapist that. makes you that makes you highly suspect. <laughs> I was I was born this way. I this is how it came out. I you don't believe that? Okay, well, whatever. Yeah, I'm polished and shined up. All right. Exactly. I was born. I was born in a suit coat. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> Well, well, would you describe a little bit for our listeners so they get to know you on a personal level, a little bit about your past, how you got the long and winding road that got you where you are? 
Yeah, yeah. Well, I think um, like a lot of people in some ways, um, you know, I, I I was born to a mother and father loved me and they were married. Um, and, and not long after they got married, so when I was eight, they divorced, which mm-hmm. is, uh, you know, a thing that happens. And uh, so I kind of went from this very stable first eight years of my life to um, they, they got divorced and it was then very chaotic and volatile. And so mm-hmm just kind of went from a lot of stability to a ton of chaos. And so after that happened, uh, world kind of flipped upside down. And so we ended up uh, moving a lot and there became problems with addiction and abuse and trauma and just kind of all the stuff that you would not want that I really mm-hmm. didn't think was going to be part of my life. Um, and yeah. so it was really shocking to me. And I just remember as a kid, like just kind of saying, you know, when I become an adult and I think we all do that, but when I become an adult, I'm going to do it different. You know, this is, I'm not going to, I'm not going to make the choices mom makes. I'm not going to do what dad's doing. I'm, I'm so smart. I'm going to have this all figured out. And so I just kind of, I kind of hung my hat on that. And I believed that I would and got through childhood and, you know, definitely had some wounds and some struggles there, but I entered into adulthood again, just so sure that it would be different. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I was kind of prideful about that. And I just went out and, you know, goodness, I, I probably don't have to tell the rest of the story, but it took a couple of years before it was exactly the same. <laughs> so I was like, this is going to be completely different. Mm-hmm. Uh, exactly the same. Yep, mm-hmm. I, I just had basically built the thing I came from. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, this isn't this isn't a story about blaming your parents. It's a story about we know where we come from and whether that's good or bad, it's comfortable. And so if we're not intentional, we build it again. Uh And so Mm -hmm. I think for me early on in my 20s, I just I had this moment where I I had been out the night before and I was drinking and smoking marijuana and I was I was just dead broke. Like I'm literally worried my car is going to be repoed and I'm walking by the mirror in this apartment where, you know, hey, I haven't even paid the rent that month. And Mm -hmm. I catch a glimpse of myself and I just go, oh, you're that guy. You're you're the guy that you never wanted to be. And it was powerful. And in that moment, I really hated that I had seen the reflection of myself. It would have just been easier not to. Uh, but I kind of had this moment where I was like, well, I could run my whole life from this. And, and this is how it will be. I can actually see the future. Or I can start to do something about it. Mm-hmm. And, and so as much as I'd like to say, well, everything changed that day. Everything didn't change that day. But I did make a small decision, which was to tape, take one step in the right direction. And that led me here. That led me here. So people are always like, why are you a therapist? I'm like, well, I'm sort of selfish. I wanted the info first and now I'm sharing (laughs) it. But I I really needed that uh, to get to where I'm at today. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Why do you think, Jason, that um, even if we hate it, I I mean, you mentioned that we recreate it, our, our circumstances many times because it's comfortable and we at least know it. But what's puzzling sometimes to people is, but, but even if you hate it, uh, even if you really have such, uh, animosity about your past, uh, we recreate it. Why do you think, how, how, how do we explain that? Well, that's a head scratcher. I mean, that that's challenging. I, I think part of what it is, is we don't have any other concept to go by. Mm-hmm. So even trying to be creative, we still conceptualize it through the lens that we experienced it. And so it's kind of like um, if I said to you, well, here is a car and a car is uh, it looks just like, you know, whatever this Honda Civic. 
And that's what all cars are. And you grew up that way for 18 years, believing that was all cars. And then I said, hey, here's what I want you to do now. Come up with a different car. Be creative. Come up with a different car. What are you likely to do? Mm-hmm. You're likely to come up with some spinoff of a Honda Civic, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's all you've ever known. So mm-hmm. you would improve upon the thing you've known, but you probably may never come up with the idea for a pickup or a station wagon or any of these other things because you don't even conceptualize it. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Yeah, very much. Absolutely. And so I think we stumble into that where we say, well, I'll build a better Honda Civic. And it's kind of <laughs> like, maybe that's not the goal, actually. Maybe yeah. maybe the goal is something different. Mm-hmm. Nothing against Honda Civics. They're lovely. <laughs> but, but still. <laughs> no. Well, um, was the first step going for help? Was there help along the way? Or how much of this was self-directed and how much uh, de- relied upon the assistance of other people? Well, Nate, I figured it all out on my own and I'm, I'm very smart. So, I mean, I just, I just sort of willed it to be, and then it was, and I, yeah, I know I do this all the time in my life. Um, no, I think the first step was just to be honest and man, that was, that was really the hard step is, is to Mm -hmm. be honest about where I was at, Uh because I think, I think if we're not able to do that, even asking for help kind of falls flat because Mm -hmm. we're really not talking about the issue. Right. And, and so sometimes we ask for help when we're not honest about the problem and we don't get the help we need. So I think for me in that moment, however much that occurred, I was just honest and I was like, hey, hey, you know, you know, come Mm -hmm. on now, you you know, this isn't working. And Mm -hmm. so I think from there that allowed me to kind of be honest about what was going on and then start to ask for help because joking aside, and I know I've got that, you know, terrible Midwestern dry sense of humor, but um it, it was a community. I didn't get here alone, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and so, uh, I talk about how me, me getting here is a lot like when your friend asks you to move, you know, you're, you're the one moving, but they're the one lifting the freezer. And mm-hmm. so I, I have gotten here that way. There were plenty mm-hmm. of people who moved the freezer for me and I just get to be in this spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought you were going to say everybody's busy. yeah nowadays as you call and you're moving i am not available and uh pick up anymore so don't call me call somebody else yes Uh, but that's that is a great analogy but you know it's uh there's a lot of trust that has to go into speaking your truth out loud and hoping that some people can carry that with you and and walk with you in that uh that um how do you encourage people maybe to uh trust when trust has betrayed them in the past. Yeah. And and it's, I mean, that is so hard, especially if as kids we trusted our parents and for whatever reason that trust is broken, mm-hmm. we now mm-hmm. kind of have this internal you know, narrative of I can't trust people. And right. so what I can tell you is where I see people go wrong is, is we go from not being able to trust someone to saying, okay, okay, I know I need to trust someone. I'm going to like kind of put all my stock into this one ask. Right. So, okay. So I'll, I'll try it, but now this is make or break. This is for everything. Yeah. Uh, and then what often happens is we pick the wrong person. We feel rejected. It doesn't work out. And we tell Uh ourselves, see, this is why I don't do that. Uh And so what I want people to do is just to start small. Can, can you just trust somebody with something and see what they do with it? Um, maybe it's not the whole thing, but can we work up and allow that person to build trust with us? because we will find out along the way where, where they end. And, and that's okay. Not everyone's going to be our deepest, most inner circle people, but um, we have to incrementally get there as opposed to just put it all on the table and see what happens. Right. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. Right. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I hear a lot from people who uh, are determined now to remake their lives. They've, you know, they've, they've gotten to that, you know, critical misery point. Uh, but the one thing they're resistant to very often, and I certainly was in this place for a long time, was I just want to go forward from here. Sure. I do not want to go backwards because if I look back, it feels like I'm going backwards. Uh, I want to look forward. Uh, what is the rationale? What's the necessity? Why is it important or is it important to get, what do I, to get past my past? Do I have to go back? I guess that's the question. And what a great question. And, th- and that's one I get a lot. Um, yeah. and, and so I think, you know, it's very legitimate and people have great concerns, right? So some of their concerns mm-hmm. are, you know, if I have, have had trauma or significant wounding, if I start to feel that way again, will I go back into my, you know, my behaviors, my addiction or whatever that struggle is? And so while I understand all of that, I think until we look at those and we don't have to, you know, look at every moment, but until we look at those really impactful moments and change our relationship with them, we're going to continue to carry that forward. And, and so what happens is it acts as kind of this shackle and this weight that we drag. And, and so what happens is people just want to learn how to carry that better. And I'm like, I don't want you to have it. Mm-hmm. So, so the difference is I don't want you to get better at carrying it. I want you not to have it. Mm-hmm. And so to do that, we have to kind of look at what it is we're carrying around with us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, one of the things I hear a lot, Jason, is when you talk to people about uh, putting the past in its proper perspective or getting beyond that or the identity that it left you with that you may, uh, may not even realize you had adopted or something. Uh, often I'm hearing people say, yeah, but you're asking me to say that the past doesn't matter. Uh, and it mm. does matter. I got hurt. I was this, it is blah, blah, blah. And they give you the whole, you know, litany again of, of, of the hurt and the pain. Um, and so how do you inform people that we're not asking you to say that it was that, that now it, that, it, that doesn't matter. I put it in the past. I put it behind me. I'm moving forward. It doesn't matter uh, that that's not what exactly what we're asking people to do. Yeah. No, I'm just saying, you know, blink your eyes and forget about it. That's what I tell people, David. It's just if you could just, yeah, just forget stop about it. it. Yeah. I've got, a little, I've got a little thing that I just, you know, I make a little click and then you forget. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think the past does matter and I think we need to honor it, mm-hmm. but we get to choose what we honor. Mm-hmm. So we can honor that people hurt us and that the world is scary and bad things happen, or we can honor that we're resilient. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. We get to pick which one we light the candle for. And, and so what I talk to people about is it's not about abandoning the significance of the past, but it's about what part we honor. Yeah. And so, yes, all those things may have happened. Can we honor your resilience and perseverance in making it through all of that, as opposed mm. to honoring what it is that happened that we have no control over? Mm. Mm. I'm struck by your use of the word resilience. Uh, it's one that comes up a lot in a book I recently read uh, called, uh, let me see. I should never have started that. <laughs> By the way, I, I do stuff like that all the time. Like, you know, I've got a favorite song and people are like, what is it? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. I have no idea. They're yeah. like, what album? Okay. And I'm like, I don't even know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. The book is The Coddling of the American Mind. Hmm. Okay. Uh, Not read it. Where, where the authors talk about a growing culture of what they call safetyism, hmm. where uh, we have to protect everybody from being offended or being hurt. 
and, it, and it's just, it's all about safety because trauma is so destructive. The idea right. being that, that um, it, it, at any rate, they open with this illustration. They talk about peanut allergies, which have skyrocketed in recent years. Yeah. But very interestingly, a study a few years ago, a, a double blind study took 500 infants. Half of them were, uh, uh, the instructions to the parents were, do not feed this child anything that has ever been near a peanut. And to the others, uh, a, a little, you know, a treat every day that contains some peanuts. And at the end of the study period, uh, uh, 4% of the group that had, well, 17% of the, 4% of the, of the group that had been getting the peanut treat had a peanut allergy. But those who had been kept free from peanuts, 17% of them were now allergic to peanuts hmm. because they had not been given the opportunity to build up any immunity. There was no resilience there. So they were just wide open. Um, so uh, in today's uh, world where there's, uh, we talk a lot about trauma, and I do know that addiction begins with trauma. I also know that not every adverse experience is necessarily traumatic. It can be traumatic for one person and not for another. The question is, can you metabolize? Can you handle the, the distress, right? Or have you been equipped to handle the distress? Um, it, it, how do we go about helping people who have been legitimately traumatized by, by, by hard situations, by either abuse or neglect, uh, to help them move forward and gain resiliency. So when they encounter, uh, you know, what could be triggering experiences in the future that remind them of those in the past, they now can, can uh, you know, not be thrown back into their coping behavior. That's a long and complicated. I hope you found a question in that. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're still talking about peanuts, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, actually, it's a fascinating story, and it's very interesting, and, and I, wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't disagree with any of that. Uh, yeah. And that's some of the challenges that, you know, what we know from research even about people who experience trauma is, that, is they tend to be high performers. And, and uh -huh. the reason is, is because they've had, they've had to be resilient. They've had to move past that. Uh, right. So do we give everyone trauma? Well, that's probably not the solution, but but it does play a role in our life. But I think part of why I wrote the book and what I've noticed just over and over again, working with clients who are literally getting out of prison all the way up to people who you know are Fortune 500 companies, is that the people who are successful with traumatic events in their background, they have mm -hmm. a different relationship and the message they take from those experiences are empowering rather than ones that hold them back. And right. so what I mean by that is they might have a, an abusive situation and they might, they might work to get the message from that, that bad things happen um, and the world isn't always safe, but I'll do my best to be safe and I'm resilient and I can work through hard things. Yes. I'll yes. be okay. Um, whereas someone else who gets stuck and there's no judgment on either side, but someone who gets stuck in that might just simply take away the message the world is unsafe and unpredictable mm -hmm. and, and I'm susceptible. Yeah. And so one of those empowers us and, and gives us mm -hmm. the ability to move forward. The other one keeps us stuck. Right. And, yeah. and so I think how we manage, you know, being activated in the future is understanding what we're telling ourselves about those things. Yes. Uh-huh. Mm. 
I was having a conversation with someone recently, Jason, and um, she was very prone to um, a lot of relapses. Her her recovery really kind of uh, demanded complete abstinence. She was very obviously not going to have a successful relationship with uh, alcohol. And um, we did some work together and um, she began to get in touch with her past you know, to your point. <laughs> and, um, she came back and, and she said, I didn't drink, uh, the last two weeks. And I said, that's incredible. And that's great. And how do you feel like you managed to do that? And she said, I realized that I'm capable of having big emotions and surviving mm-hmm. big emotions because in my world that wasn't ever, you know, uh, permissible. And so when I, when I would feel overwhelmed, the only thing I knew to do was medicate you know, just to kind of survive and be sane or whatever resembles it. And she said that, um, you know, this, this emotion that she began to have, cause we were doing some exercises on identifying what she was feeling at certain times, when, and how it showed up and all of that. And, and she said, I, I realized that I have the capacity to do more than I thought. And my past was telling me, Oh no, you don't, you don't have the capacity to handle big emotions. Look how you reacted to this and look how you screwed up when that happened and look, blah, 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 you know, this shame and all that. So, so, um, giving ourselves permission though, is a really tough thing to, to, uh, to say like, you know, to your point about it, uh, I, I do have the capacity, I do have the resilience, uh, but my past may not tell me that I do. Um, so, so is it, is it partly helping people? kind of point out their, their small wins along the way as they, as they embrace this idea, kind of tiptoeing into the idea that maybe they, they can experience things beyond their, what they believe their capacity to do it is. Yeah, David, I just love that question. And, and I think exactly, I would be in agreement with you. It, and and I've literally told people, sometimes my job is just giving permission. Like that's (laughs) literally what my job is. And it's, so awesome. But I get to meet with someone and just say, like, I give you permission to be successful. I give you permission to be sober. I Uh give you permission Mm -hmm. to have a healthy relationship. Because I think what happens is, you know, sometimes people tell us these things or or we perceive these messages that are not accurate or, or even outdated. Maybe they were accurate then, but they're not today. And then we start to live according to them. Uh And so if we had that teacher that said, you'll never be anything, um, we start to make that true for ourselves. Mm-hmm. We internalize that. Mm-hmm. And so there is so much power in just saying, where did that come from? Whose voice is that in? And is it time to change it? Mm-hmm. And, and so I'll talk with clients if they say, yeah, you know, I'm just, I'm never going to be anything. I'll say, give me some evidence. Make, make an argument. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm willing. And, and I'll say, maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe you're never going to be anything, but convince me. Mm-hmm. And you know, most people have a real hard time doing that. Mm. And when when they can give some examples, I'll say, okay, uh, but now argue the other side or argue in favor. Um, And so the challenge is if we don't think about some of those things, those beliefs just run our lives. Mm -hmm. And if they're from somebody who maybe wasn't healthy or didn't have a healthy perspective, if we're not careful, we can end up honoring these messages our whole life when they weren't true. Mm hmm. And so just like you're saying, David, that is kind of a fun place to be then when we get to say, I give you permission to question that. I give you permission for that to not be true. Yeah. Do you find that sometimes people come in and they already know, even though they don't realize they already know, 
what they're going to have to do. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, they do. It's like, yeah, I don't know. We have awareness. Yeah. You, you go to a trainer at a gym and you go, you know, I don't know. I'm wondering if you think I need to lose some weight. <laughs> yeah. It's you know. weird. I always know what they're going to say. Yeah. yeah they're in, like, well, well, you know, <laughs> I think, you know, the answer. And, and so we do, but to your point, if we don't have permission or we, or we don't think that that's allowed, right. We just never, we just never do it. Even if we know. And I think that, you know, when we get older in life and we start to talk about regret, that is the regret people talk about mm-hmm. is knowing and not doing. Mm-hmm. It's rarely that they didn't know. It's just that they didn't do. Yeah. And and they want to know maybe that if if I do this thing and buy into this thing that I may already know that you're going to affirm, will I be alone in it or will you be mm-hmm. with me or will someone be with mm-hmm. me, you know? And and that's the power is, uh, of course, I'll walk with people, but I always want to get them connected and in community because when we're in community, it it both supports us and lifts us up, but it allows us to do the same for others. Mm -hmm. And when we do that, it really solidifies the change. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, That raises a question in my mind. I know you're a very busy guy. You do a lot of things. So you're, you're a writer, you're a speaker. Uh, you're a coach, so you coach some people individually, but you're also a, a facilitator and a therapist at a great place called Onsite, mm-hmm. uh, and also with the Bethesda Workshops here in Nashville. So yep. you do group work as well as individual work. Correct. Uh, uh, what do you see? Is there? What do you see as the advantages of 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 each modality? Working individually with people and working helping people work together as a group? Oh, that's a wonderful question. Um, mm. I think, you know, the power of the group is is that there is so much collective wisdom and experience mm-hmm. in that room that um, I think that can really help people. You know, one of, one of the things, and maybe you felt this way, I know I have, is I have felt like I'm the only one sometimes. Mm. Like yeah, there sure, is a yeah. struggle and I am somehow a unicorn. And, and you know, of course, I am very special. Right. Let's all agree on that. I'm very special, but that somehow in my specialness, I'm just the only person. And so what and I'm being you know sarcastic there. But but the power of the group is when I start to think that inevitably somebody else feels, thinks, experiences the same thing. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes just having that person that says, yeah, me, too. That's mm-hmm. worth a lot, uh, as well as sometimes if we're talking about addiction and things, sometimes hearing somebody else's stories are actually things that kind of help us to pause and think, because maybe we haven't experienced that yet, but that might be just around the bend. Mm -hmm. And so group work can be really good in showing us kind of who we are and how we're seen by others and Mm -hmm. also allowing us a place to help people. Right. So we can Mm -hmm. also offer some of our stuff. Um, Individual, I think is a good place to really dig in as deep as you need to go and for it to be all about you. Um, and, and there's a need. Um, I think sometimes there's issues that are just super impactful to us that when we unpack those in a group, they're not going to get the time that they need. And mm-hmm. so that's where individual to me, that relationship is a lot deeper and, and a little bit more meaningful in that way. And so that ideally you'd have both really, but both serve mm-hmm. very different purposes. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, this may be a, a little, uh, uh, I don't know, irrelevant in some ways, but um, what about when one person experiences something in a, in a past experience and the people that shared that experience don't perceive it the same way at all. Um, mm-hmm. And they feel minimized 
in their experience by the people who could have been their empathetic witnesses to their pain, but they're not because some, some people get amnesia and some people just had a completely different perspective. And, you know, sometimes you hear siblings that describe their families and you'd think they were raised in different, different homes, you know, (laughs) their Mm -hmm. experience. And, uh, I don't know, How, how do you, uh, how do you validate the pain of the person's experience that they had as their truth and their reality? Cause that's what they're living out of regardless of the other witnesses around it that said, doc, no, no, that wasn't, we, it wasn't like that at all. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's hard and, and there is disappointment if you're the one that's been hurt and, and that's not echoed by the other people there. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is challenging. It is disappointment. And, and, and there's room for that. I, I think the thing is, is, we all get to have our own opinion and perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, we can let other people have different opinions and perspectives. I think where people get in trouble on that is when they ask for agreement mm-hmm. instead mm-hmm. of opinion and perspective. So if they say, well, this is how I feel and um, I need you to validate it, empathize with it, and then agree with that, we get into a real issue. And and the reality is we just do all see things very differently, good or bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, that That's just how we are. And so um, it would only make sense that in these spaces, the same thing happens. We take mm-hmm. very different things away because of how we're wired. Uh, mm-hmm. But but that is hard. And sometimes I think people can say, well, I don't feel validated in that because nobody else experienced what I did, even though they were there. Mm-hmm. And maybe they didn't. Uh, but mm-hmm. are they willing to hear you and listen anyway? Because even that is showing love. And so I, if I'm working with somebody, I try to help them to see that if they disagree and they're still willing to listen, that's a loving thing to do. And mm-hmm. so maybe we start there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jason, is this your first book? It is. Yep. Yeah. Uh, tell us about the writing process. Did, the, did it flow like water or was it a, <laughs> a blood dripping onto the page? How, how tough was it to write the book? <laughs> Well, boy, you guys are full of great questions. Yeah. Um, well, you know that three days or something, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I actually, I'm writing one right now as we speak. Um, I, <laughs> you know, the, the challenge is when you go to school to become a therapist, they, they really stress not to ever talk about yourself. And then you go to write a book and they stress to talk about yourself. And right. so you, you have a, you know, a bit of a conundrum. And so I think for me, um, I did this in a season where, you know, some of this stuff was on my mind enough that the book actually came out pretty easily. Mm-hmm. I think the challenge for me was just the vulnerability in sharing some of my story, which, mm-hmm. you know, I, I wouldn't do. Um, and, and doing that really for the hope or my, my hoped benefit for people is that they can relate or that it somehow yeah, allows sure. them yeah. to feel seen. But yeah, the, the book writing process, uh, you know, I've learned a lot, which has been a good thing. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's really just been about like how much is important to share, how much isn't. I, I want it to be accessible, but not, you know, I don't want people to be like, oh, that Jason, I, you know, he didn't have to tell me what he had for breakfast. So I wanted to be careful of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I can tell you it did. I mean, my my hope is I get to write more um, because it really did awaken and ignite this thing in me where I, I just really do want to write more and help people if I can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did yeah. you have any past... Um reflections of your own that you may have been unaware of as you kind of processed all this writing? 
Yeah, yeah, that's what's awesome. So when you when you write about your past mm-hmm. that you don't want to think about, then you get to think about it. So right. you know, as one of the stops along the book writing, um, I flew to Phoenix for about three days to really kind of hammer out the the last part of the book. Um, and for me, it was some of the most tender spots. Mm. And so uh, sitting in those places with that tenderness. Um, what was interesting to me is in some ways it felt the same and in some ways it was very different. And, and so I think for me, this was also a healing process, uh, mm-hmm. because I said, now, now this is repackaged as something that's going to help somebody else. Mm-hmm. At one time, this was packaged as something that held me back. And now mm-hmm. we're repurposing this for something that's actually going to help. And so that for me took that tenderness and kind of made it into something more beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so the book comes out when? October 10th, you said? October 10th. Yep. Okay. Can people pre-order? Yep. They can find it. Um, so it'll be, you know, uh, paperback, but then also audiobook, uh, And it's on all the major ones, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, all those good things. And okay. um, if they go to my website, which is jasonvr.com, they can kind of access all those different channels. Mm. Did you read the audiobook or did somebody else? I actually read the audiobook. Yeah, I guess that doesn't happen a whole lot. Um, And so they let me do it. And I learned that I don't know how to read after all. So here I was, I think I'm some big shot reader. And uh, I learned a little, little humility. So we're, we're still working on it. No, I've heard that, uh, it was a cool process. Yeah, I've heard that reading uh, your audio book is a little bit like running a marathon three feet at a time or something. It's just, that's great. <laughs> stop, stop, stop. Yeah, I was just like, I wonder how many chapters I'll read before I make a mistake. And it was like, well, maybe think in terms of paragraphs, Jason. How many paragraphs will you read before yeah. you make a mistake? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's all right. You got a good audio editor. It all comes out nice and smooth. That's, That's what I'm hoping. I, I think I did, too. So it should be good. Okay. Fantastic. Wow. Well, uh, it's uh, great to meet you. I really look forward to reading the book. I will put my order in as soon as we sign off here. Uh, and I do hope uh, that on your frequent visits to Nashville, one of these times, you and David and I can get together, have a cup of coffee, and uh, uh, strengthen the bonds of friendship. It's all about connection, is it not? It is. Yeah, I, I hate to give away the secret, but that is that is the secret all along, right? Is yeah, it? Yeah, it's that yeah. community. And and just to thank you for that kind word you said, I, I would absolutely love that. So that would be wonderful. Yeah, it'd be fun. Okay, listeners, stay with us. We'll be back in just a moment on the Positive Sobriety Podcast. Welcome back to the Positive Sobriety Podcast. Um, and Nate, um, I, I, I enjoyed talking to Jason a great deal. Um, he, uh, I mean, I, I relate to his uh, sense of humor, and I also uh, enjoyed his his take on connection um, and how making peace with our past in some ways is going to be a process of trust, uh, yeah. inviting others into our story, uh, it, it connecting with people who can walk with us in that space. Um, not having to have a consensus that everything I experienced was exactly what everybody else felt. Uh, you know, um, I don't have to have approval to get, um, to, to have peace, uh, with that. Uh, and I am looking forward to picking up his book. 
I think it's going to be a, a good read. I hope he, I hope he writes like he, uh, like he communicates in conversation because it'll be a, it'll have some humor there. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, yeah, I hope so too. Very engaging guy. He's the kind of guy you can tell he's, he's, uh, he's a safe guy to talk to. Uh, he's got a, he's got a quick mind. He's got a good empathetic heart. Uh, he strikes me as a damn good coach. Yeah, yeah, and he works with some good groups here in the greater Nashville area, on-site and Bethesda groups that you and I are both connected with in mm-hmm. different ways. Um, and uh, so, even though he's uh, you know up in South Dakota, it's uh, interesting how even uh, in the far-off places, people mm-hmm. are making their way into <laughs> Middle Tennessee to do uh, recovery work or therapy work. Uh, yeah, so yeah. maybe there's uh, more resource. There are more resources resources here than we think. <laughs> well, this is becoming really Nashville, the new Jerusalem for recovery. I and mean, this is where folks come to get help for addiction more and more. Mm-hmm. And I'm yeah. grateful to uh, live here. Uh, grateful to have found help here myself. Uh, yeah. Yeah. With every bar that opens on Broadway, I think we open another uh, version of treatment. Oh, <laughs> Have you been down to that crazy village lately? <laughs> Allie, and I, Allie and I went into town for uh, a concert this last week. Right, yeah. Yeah, and I hadn't been down on Lower Broad in a little while. and it's Oh, my God. It's like going to... It's like if Times Square and Las Vegas had a baby. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. And, and you could spot the tourists because they're the ones in the cowboy hats and the cowboy boots. Because I think <laughs> they think we all dress that way or something. Like, I think they think everybody in Nashville looks like Hank Williams or something. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. But, yeah. uh, oh, my Lord. And the bachelorette capital of the world uh, yes. here is what we are. The bachelorette party yeah. at capital yeah. of the world yeah. now, uh, yeah. which is a, you know, a claim to fame, some erroneous yeah. honor. Uh, but yeah, it's crazy. Uh, it's just crazy down there. But uh, but man, the treatment uh, world here is just flourishing. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I'm glad that Jason can, uh, you know, be, and people like him can be brought into mm-hmm. that uh, that part of what happens down here. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, this has been a good time together and a great conversation. I look forward to many more uh, as the fall goes. You're doing a great job filling up the calendar with good guests. Well, thank you much. It's uh, great to have people who want to come on. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, it's fun. Uh, but we do love to hear from our listeners. You can reach us at positive sobriety podcast at gmail.com. And uh, be assured we read every letter we receive. Hmm. So, uh, that's it for this week. Until next time, I'm Nate. And I'm David. And we are your pals. On the Positive Sobriety Podcast. The Positive Sobriety Podcast is recorded at Crossroads for the Nations in Brentwood, Tennessee. Live producer Rex Schnelli, music by Rex Schnelli, theme music by Matt Ulrich, uh, hair and makeup by Lyle Lovett, uh, wardrobe <laughs> by Kathy Gifford. 